family? Well, thank you. I have heard all of your comments, which I'm not calling complaints, about, I don't know if anybody's here this morning because I'm not sitting where I normally sit, except for the north and south side, which just flipped. They, they're like, oh, we'll do what Jeremy says. We'll just swap sides. That's not what I was talking about. But it's good to see all of you this morning. want to, again, remind you, yeah, keep my wife in your prayers. She'll be heading down south starting tomorrow at 8 o'clock in the morning. And from those of us that are normal risers, that's not early. For Sunny, that's really early. So keep her in your prayers. She's planning on spending some time with some dear friends in Searcy before she makes her way to us on Tuesday. And I say to us, but it's really to me to, on Tuesday. So keep her in your prayers. And still looking for RSVPs for the cookout we have planned on the 28th. If you notice in your bulletin, there's a directory update. You now have my cell phone number. That is the easiest way to get a hold of me to RSVP. You can call or text. Just understand that if you send me a text, don't be surprised if I reply with, great, looking forward to see you, whoever you are. <laughs> Tell me who you are in the text so I can add you to my contacts in all of that as well. want to, again, uh, just put another stamp on the Mother's Day and say, hi, moms. Glad to see all of you here. And for all of us that struggle through these times, I know Mother's Day can be a difficult thing, especially for women who are having a hard time becoming mothers or have lost children. Understand that our hearts are still with you through all of these things and praying for you as we go through life. Most of us are familiar with the phrase, e pluribus unum, aren't we? Or at least maybe it'll ring a bell if we have anything, any kind of knowledge of history in this country, but it is the statement or the motto, the slogan, that the con Congress of 1776 appointed a committee to come up with to design the great seal of the United States of America. And really, e pluribus unum is in Latin, can be translated in many ways, but it describes an action. And that's what I really want us to be paying attention to this morning. It means many uniting into one, or from many one, or out of many one. And traditionally, we look at it in terms of the states, or at that time, the colonies acting as one together yeah, for a common purpose, acting as a singular organism as they were moving through it. But think about it in terms of just the great American melting pot that we find ourselves in today. Of races, creeds, colors, it doesn't matter. All of these people coming into one nation as a single people. And that's the idea I'd like for us to kind of roll around in our minds and think about this morning as we continue our family, our family series over the next few weeks. Remember last week we talked about the concepts of unity that are presented to us. We looked at, spent a lot of our time in Ephesians chapter four, <coughs> excuse me, the first six verses there of how we're not called to create unity as the body, but God was the one who did the creation of this, and we're just called to preserve that unity, to live worthy of that calling in the body of Christ, and that that unity was based on God's work, not ours, and we just move forward underneath that umbrella. This morning, I want us to look at some reasons why it's important for us to be unified as a body. And I can think of actually no better person to turn to to learn this lesson from than Batman. Okay, now hear me out, because... Batman is the coolest superhero of all superheroes. And that's just my humble and understated opinion on this, all right? 
The guy has no superpowers. So a couple of you guys are looking at me going, who's Batman? You guys have been living under a rock here lately with all of the superhero movies that have hit the screen in the last 10 years or however long it's been. Batman is the best superhero, and I, will, I won't fight you because we're family, but we may have a good heated discussion about who's the best superhero. And the reason I think he's awesome is he has no real powers except for just being rich, and he has these wonderful toys. And he has a very keen sense of justice. He's, he, he really doesn't struggle with the whole concepts of right or wrong. Uh, and so we see how Batman presents himself, but who does Batman really work with? And you can't say Robin, all right? Because, yeah, he may take a Robin now and again, but by and large, throughout Batman's publication history, he's been a loner. He's been out there working alone. And when you read the stories, you pick up a DC comic book or a Marvel comic book or go to the singular movies, you see these heroes working alone. And the only time they come together is when they absolutely have to and they all hate it. <laughs> have you noticed that? that they don't want to work together, but they're forced into this situation and then they gotta deal with all of the quirky stuff that comes with it. But understand that, and I think at times we approach our Christianity yeah, kinda like we're Batman. We gotta go at this all alone, in the dark, maybe make our voice all gravelly. But when you look at the biblical pattern of how God had called his people to operate, we actually don't see that type of behavior being promoted in God's people, right? Think all the way back to Moses. Moses tried to be Batman. Do you remember? The people had come and Jethro is there and they're having this big family reunion and everything's wonderful and Jethro's just hanging out watching Moses deal with the Israelites and they're all coming to him. And we understand that there's like at least a million people at this point in the nation of Israel all coming to Moses and Jethro calls him off to the side and says, hey, come here, boy. You're going to wear yourself out. You need to assign some men to help you with this. And so he brings in those men and those judges during that time. Or what about David? David didn't even work by himself through all of this. He had his mighty men. He had the men that were following him around when Saul was trying to kill him and working together with those men. Look at Jesus. If anybody could be Batman on this earth, it would be Jesus, right? But who did Jesus surround himself with? With men who I, I think of as his friends his companions, his disciples. Jesus was never alone as he was wandering this earth. He worked together with people. And being a loner might work for Batman, it might work for Superman, Green Lantern, whoever you want to talk about. It does not work for Christians. It doesn't work. And that's not the pattern that God establishes for us as we look at it. And when you think of how God establishes his patterns for his people, it really does come down to a relationship. That this pattern is relational. Now, whether we go back to Mount Sinai and God is delivering them the law from Mount Sinai through Moses and it was all about the people's relationship with him or the people's relationship with each other, it was still based on relationships. Jesus comes on the scene. He presents a gospel of relationship, does he not? With God the Father. And then in turn, his disciples will go around preaching not only the relationship with God, but that relationship with each other as God's people. This message has remained constant throughout history. His purpose is established in relationships, that we're not some self-contained autonomous beings. You guys are, you ever heard of Simon and Garfunkel? Yeah, I know you guys haven't. Don't worry about it. 
I'm a rock. I'm an island. They got it wrong, guys. They got it wrong. We cannot, we cannot exist as a singular being in this world. And you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That was our reading this morning. I know it was lengthy, but that's okay. But you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and you look at everything that's being talked about in all of that. And Paul has spent some time describing the workings of the body. The beginning of the chapter is talking about gifts and how God has given certain gifts to individuals for the working of the body to work according to, real quick, whose purpose? His purpose. And then we get down to verse 27. And he says, Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. What, was he, what did e pluribus unum mean? Out of many, one. And this is what Paul is teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, e pluribus unum. The unity of many becoming one, working together. Yes, there will be individual members in the body, and you know some of us might be a hand, some of us might be a foot, some of us might be an eye. Shoot, some of us might be nose hairs, guys. But we're all still part of that one body still operating according to God's purpose for that body. And so while we may be individuals, we are not individualistic in our approach to God's purpose for our lives as, as family here. And, and that becomes important to us because we have to be thinking of this in terms of relationship. This is why I asked you guys to sit someplace different this morning. Uh, I, it was, it's so interesting when you talk to people that have sat in the same pew for 30 years, or in the same spot for 30 years. I know none of us here have ever done that, but sit in the same spot for 30 years and then the person that sits next to you has also sat there for 10, 15, 20 years and you've gotten to know each other in your little 15 minute conversations that you've had with each other and your single serving relationship that occurs on Sunday morning. And now all of a sudden we don't know where people are. We don't know if so-and-so's here this morning. Is that the way God has designed us to operate? The relationship, the fellowship, those are vital to our operation as a body. And I would submit to you that we're not going to be able to operate as a body until we can figure this thing out, this whole relationship thing of dealing with each other on a regular basis. Sonny's been out of town for a while. She's been getting the house packed up and getting it ready to move down. And I'll tell you, I have been extremely thankful for the technology of the day, especially like with FaceTime where we can video call each other. You know, because I remember a time when video call was not an option, when we would be separated for months at a time, worlds away. And it was, okay, I'm gonna call you at this time on Sunday night in, J in Japan, for instance, and it would be early morning when she would have to answer the phone and we'd have that, those conversations and you had to buy those AT&T preloaded cards. You guys remember those? Some of you are smiling, so you know what I'm talking about. But it would have been so much easier just to say, hey, we'll just FaceTime with each other and we'll actually get to spend some time together. And I think this is a common misconception for us in all of this, because here's the thing, guys. I'm probably gonna step on some toes here, but that's kind of why, what we do. We could set up webcams and we could stream and we could talk to each other only via webcam for the rest of our lives. And guess what that would never promote? 
Relationships. Not true relationships. Because true relationships are found when you're actually rubbing elbows with each other and dealing with each other. Uh, kids, how many of us are Zooming right now? Or Zoomed for class or you know, doing online stuff or even some adults are doing it, right? Do you really get to know your classmates through all of that? Not really. You get to know their online persona, which in a lot of cases is very different than their actual personality and character. Webcams and technology are not a replacement for relationships. They cannot take the place of actual time spent together in this. And look at the early church and the pattern that they established, right? In Acts chapter 2 and verse 46, we get a lot of information there that we're not going to unpack this morning. But we, we see how they're operating as a body of believers. They're in the temple worshiping together. They made it their practice to be in each other's homes on a regular basis, having meals together, fellowshipping with one another, actually being in the presence of fellow believers. And the early church had challenges to relationships, didn't they? There was a lot of challenges that were going on during this time. Persecution, being beaten, right? And let's just say, for instance, that a couple of us are in the same trade guild, and I become a Christian, and you don't want anything to do with that. Now I'm going to be ostracized and booted out of that trade guild. Now my, the way, any way to earn a living is now being compromised because of my beliefs as a Christian. But that didn't matter if that was going on because the early church would gather together in those moments and be encouraged and strengthened because each of them was experiencing the same thing. And they grew together and they bonded together. If family shunned them, they had another family to fall back on. And I'm convinced, guys, that our challenges are the exact same as what the early church faced. Well, they may, take different, they may have different manifestations, but we're still going to have the same challenges through all of that. Do you think that we're the only people on this planet throughout history who have ever been busy? Who, who have ever just said, you know, you get that text or you get that phone call or you're talking face to face and say, hey, we'd like to have you come out. Yeah, just spend some time, have a meal, whatever. And you go, oh, you know, well, what time and what day? And you pull out your calendar. I know I'm not the only one that does this. I, and I know that I'm not the only one that double books myself, right, Dodie? <clears throat> and you go, well, let me look at my calendar and see where I can fit you in. And we kind of view church family as like second class in some of this stuff. We're not the only ones that are busy. I think the early church still had that, had that problem as well, but I think we maybe use it more of as an excuse to not get together. And I almost wonder, do we just like running around like a hamster in a wheel, just... <laughs> or do we enjoy the peace that comes from sitting down with like-minded people on, on the regular? Or maybe if we... When we're at work and somebody says, hey, what are you doing Sunday morning? We're having a, a barbecue at 9.30. And you go, oh, man, that sounds really fun. But you won't mention you're going to Bible class. 
because you don't want your coworker to look down on you because you've forgotten the lesson of the mutual support that comes from being a member of the body. And really what it comes down to is that there's really two main challenges to our faith, to our, our unity as a body, to this family that we are calling ourselves a part of and that the Lord calls us a part of is first our relationship with God. And I would submit to you that the things I'm about to mention, that if these things are lacking, then your relationships with each other are going to suffer. Our relationship with each other is going to suffer. Your relationship with God. How much time do you spend in conversation with the Father? Is prayer a part of our regular life with God? If it's lacking, how much time do we spend in the Word? As we're developing our relationship and building that relationship with the Father, how much time are we spending in the Word? Because if those things are lacking, guys, if we're finding ourselves falling short on this, then I would submit to you that our relationships with each other will, be, will bear the fruit of that. And how connected are we to our brothers and sisters? Are we looking to build each other up? Are we, are, do we know when one part of the body is suffering? And do we feel that pain when they suffer? Do we know when one part of the body has, is experiencing wonderful things and we experience exhilaration and joy? Because we're aware of what's going on in the body and with each other. And these are the challenges that we face as God's people working out to figure out how we're supposed to be doing this. But none of these things are going to happen in isolation. This growth cannot happen in isolation. If it could, right? if it could, then all Jesus would have had to do was come to the earth for about a four-week door-knocking campaign, pass out some pamphlets, and then just ascend right on back to heaven. That's all it would have taken. You got some booklets, and we're good to go. But what do we actually see the master doing? John presents it in this way, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That he lived among us. As a man, he lived with his creation. He becomes a living example, a living sermon. People are following him. He's not spending it in isolation. It was necessary that he be around people. Or you look at what he told the disciples in Mark chapter 1. There it is. Thank you. In Mark chapter 1, <clears throat> excuse me, when he says, Jesus says to them, follow me. Okay? This is a pretty simple command that Jesus is presenting. He says, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him going on a little further. He saw James, his son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the boat mending the nets. Immediately he called them. They left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went away to follow him. Now here's the deal, guys. Notice what Jesus says. He does not say, just read about me. What he says is follow him. And if we're following him, then the relationships with humans are each other is just a natural result of following Jesus. It's going to happen. Paul will put it this way in 1 Corinthians 11. He says, be imitators of me just as I am of Christ. Okay, I'm working hard. And if each of us is doing that, this is the goal, imitating Jesus. 
Each of us working in that humility and service and all of those aspects that, that Jesus is, and we are working to imitate him, then what do you think that does to us as a body? Now, interestingly enough, Paul doesn't say, hey guys, imitate me because I'm doing serious exegesis on Jesus. I need you guys to imitate my, my study habits on this. But he says, imitate me because I am imitating Jesus. If I'm not imitating Jesus, don't imitate me, all right? And look at how Paul dealt with just life. When Paul would go somewhere, what, Paul always went by himself, right? No, people were with him. He was working on relationships. And were there relationship challenges with Paul? Yes, if you doubt me, go and look at his whole breakup with Barnabas for a time because of John Mark. There were challenges, but that didn't stop him operating as a part of the body, a part of the kingdom in the work he was doing. This is just, he understood that that was life, and then we're going to move forward for the grace and glory of God. But he worked with people. And so spiritual growth, discipleship, life change happens in relationship. And this might be shocking. Growth cannot occur through correspondence courses and internet courses. That fellowship is necessary for our growth as a body. You can't do it by yourself. And we understand what that means. I mean, really understand what it means and what it's going to take. It's going to take proximity. that we need to actually be together. And don't get me wrong, I enjoy four-year fellowship just as much as I think all of you do as well. I do. But it will only take us so far in our relationships with each other. Because, and here's how I know this. <clears throat> don't raise your hand, please. I don't want you to give yourself away. We all had the most blue skies and rainbow ride into the church meeting this morning, didn't we? No arguments with the wife or husband. The kids were cherubs. And your blood pressure was up, and you maybe started sweating a little bit, and the minute you pull into the church park parking lot, what happens? Whew, everything's holy. You come in and somebody says, how you doing this morning? You say, oh, I'm doing so good. Things are going so great for my life right now. Everything is perfect. You know, except for that 15 minutes of driving to the church building. Are we guilty of that? Why do we do that? That's, that's, I'm going to get on a little bit of a rabbit trail on this for a second, okay? Why do we do that? Can I tell you why I think we do that? Because we don't want people to think we're people. We don't want people to actually think we have real struggles and challenges in our lives. And so we refuse to be transparent with each other because we're afraid of whatever judgment that person might have. That is not the Spirit of Christ dwelling in us. He calls us to be better than that, to share each other's burdens and joys and all of those different types of things. And we need to be, we need to do like Jesus did like the early apostles and disciples did. 
which also, so that means proximity and getting to know each other and being honest with each other in our dealings. But that also means that in many ways we're going to enter into with each other a spiritual and an emotional contract. Now hear me out on this. If I love you, and you love me, then we're accountable to each other. We will work with each other as iron sharpens iron and doing all of these things together as the body because we are operating under the, the knowledge and application that God put us in this body for his goodwill and his good purpose. And when you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that verse 7, he says, each one is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good, the good of the body that we're going to be accountable to each other, or we need to be accountable to each other, that we're going to look out for each other. If I see in our relationship with each other that you're entering into the realm of sin because of my love for you and my love for the Lord, I will talk to you about those things. And because I know your love for the Lord, you'll at least hear me out. I lean on you, you lean on me. I support you, you support me. I encourage you, you encourage me. And that's really the challenge, isn't it? To have enough faith, because I do really believe that it is a faith exercise to trust each other in the way that God is calling us to trust each other. So here's the challenge for this week. We're sitting next to new people this morning. Or at least I hope we're sitting next to new people, except for the north and south side. We understand that. <laughs> Look around a little bit for a second. It may very well be that you're looking at someone and you go, man, I haven't seen that person in a month of Mondays. Or you may see someone and go, who's that? Do something for the person next to you this week. I'm not going to tell you what to do, right? But do something for the person next to you this week that will promote relationships. Pray for them. Send them a card. I don't care. Do something for the person next to you this week that will promote the relationship. Get to know each other better through all of this. Let's be the people that God has purposed us to be. Because in reality, there is no me in family. Because we're all in this thing together. We're all working and operating according to God's goodwill and pleasure on this earth as his people. Brian's got a song for us. We're going to stand and sing that song. I think it's I Stand Amazed. Am I right, Brian? And, we, and if we cannot be amazed in the presence of God, where can we be amazed, honestly? And as Brian leads us in this song, this is the opportunity for us to gather together as his people to be unified in our hearts and minds as we worship him. You find yourself here this morning ready to make the good confession of Jesus as the Christ, to repent of your sins, to be brought back into the relationship that God wants you to have. This is the time. Come forward.
You find yourself as a member of the body here, struggling. You have challenges. There's difficulties that you're facing. Or maybe you're even experiencing some joy in good times. This is another opportunity to share those times and the struggles that you have so that we can be together in all of this. Whatever it is that we can do for you this morning, we encourage you to come while we sing.